the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Great to be together. Thank you for joining us tonight. I always tell you, it's such a long weekend when I'm away from you all from Friday all the way to now and a lot to cover, a lot to cover. First, uh, before we get to what you need to know, uh, let me make sure that you know where to go. Where to go? The answer San Diego.com is our website for all of our shows. Andrea Kay's show, my show, all the details on all our sponsors. And a little bit later on the program, we'll have Cecile Ahrens on. She does a show every single Saturday morning at uh, 6 a.m. I think it's called Get Mental. Uh, let me see if I got that. Why don't I have that in front of me? Get Mental um, is her show. Get Mental Radio, 6 a.m. Saturday morning. So you can go do that. But anyway, the answer San Diego.com, where to go for all. All our stuff about our shows. But you can also, importantly, go to edmartinlive.com right now, edmartinlive.com, and you can sign up to get my email every morning, every weekday morning at 5 a.m. Pacific time. You will get an email update from me. It will have key links, key audio from this show and other places, and it'll have what you need to know. So you want to go there, edmartinlive.com, sign up for the daily wink, what you need to know. And also, you can follow me on Twitter, at Eagle Ed Martin. You can go to Facebook, at Ed Martin Live. Lots of ways to get in touch. Even directly, you can text me, 314-256-1776. 314-256-1776. So, there you have it. Okay, well, what do you need to know? Well, long weekend. A long weekend across the world, as a lot of people are dealing with a lot of suffering. Uh, we know the Italian situation is probably the worst it's been anywhere. Um, they let yesterday was a in a 24 hour reporting period. They had 690 deaths, which was a decrease from the day before. So that's a good news in the sense that maybe the maybe it's peaked and it's coming down. But terrible, terrible uh, disease spread there. And um, the problem, of course, as we've talked about, is it's it's made it almost impossible for the healthcare system to care for everyone well enough. It's been a real terrible, difficult challenge. And so we keep continuing to pray for the Italians. Uh, and um, and even as we focus on home now, depending on where you are, California, obviously it's uh, you have the orders to stay at home across the country. A lot of that. I'm in Virginia. We have a little bit less uh, intense rules, uh, but certainly the whole country is under this thing. Here's how I want to lay this out for you. Um, remember a couple things. One, the president said we have 15 days. We're in the middle. We're in the seventh day. I guess maybe it's the eighth day of the 15 day period to slow the spread and that social distancing and keeping yourself away from people is important during this time. We're doing pretty darn well. And the president is really trying to buy time and from the disease. Because, again, we know the disease, it's a bad one. It's a bad virus. Uh, the problem is it spreads too quickly. And so if, say, on the swine flu, we had 60 million people in America get it, the projections are that 150, 200 million could get it, maybe more. And so just it's just raw numbers. It's a lot of sickness to handle and a lot more uh, very sick people, and it's a problem. So um, that we're in the middle of this 15 days. 
And if you listen to what I call the modern day fireside chats, President Trump having these extraordinary press conferences in the, from the White House press room, um, you you get a sense that he knows we're in this 15 day period and he's saying, hold on. You know, last night he tweeted late in the evening, the president, he said, you know, we can't make the cure worse than the illness. So he's aware of what this is costing us. The stock market's down. Businesses are strained. You know, I'm getting, you know, the anecdotal conversations, but they're real. The you know, anecdotal makes it sound like it's far off. It's, it's only anecdotal and far off if it's not you. And the anecdotal stuff I'm getting is people text me and say, hey, I, I'm, I got my job cut down to, you know, 10 hours a week. And then a couple of days later, I'm laid off completely. Or, you know, I, I'm not getting paid this month because my employer didn't get paid. All these kinds of things. So, um we're in the middle of this 15-day period. It's going to go longer than that, of course, but we're going to know a lot. And tomorrow, just a few hours from now, in New York State, they will try uh, a combination of chloroquine and uh, another drug, an antibiotic drug, kind of like a, a, they call it a ZPAC, uh, something like that. And in combination, these two have been successful at slowing the virus's effect on people. If it's effective this combination, it would be a game changer. It would mean people may, a lot of people may still get sick. A lot of people, millions, and a lot of vulnerable people might be, you know, close to death. But everybody would be able to take these combination of drugs and it would help. It would help the symptoms. It would help the disease. So that's the kind of game changer, right? The testing kits are now everywhere. They're making masks as fast as possible. I mean, there's a lot of things going right, but we're still in the middle of people getting sick and dying. And so, but my point here is, and this is what you need to know, is we're in the middle of the mess. We're in the middle. We're, we're not at the end. We're not at the beginning. And so we're in the middle, and we have to recognize that. We have to know what the, what the day is, what the season is. You know, if you look up on Capitol Hill, these people are, are nasty morons in Congress. They can't get something done to help stabilize things because they're fighting. I mean, Nancy Pelosi, I mean, God forgive this woman. Nancy Pelosi is holding up all this aid that would help lots of people, in part because she wants to include in this bill an effort to redo the elections in November. With mandatory early voting, mandatory no-fault absentee ballot uh, access. In other words, she wants to try to steal the elections, you know, by putting in this law when people are desperate. She's holding the electoral gun to our heads. And, of course, what's happening is, you know, you people aren't going to take that. So the, 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 the broken Congress that can't secure our border, can't pass meaningful legislation, is proving again how pathetic they are. I hate them. I think that you should be embarrassed if you say you're in Congress, especially because you know what they don't get? They don't get their salary cut. They don't get their benefits cut. They don't see any di diminishment of anything. They're in really good shape. The people, men and women in Congress and the House and even the federal government, none of them are getting any, have any trouble. So it's, it is what you need to know, though, is we're in the middle we're in the middle of this, which means on, a, on one side of us is the beginning, on the other side is the end. We're in the middle. And this is the other thing. On one side of us is the neighbors, the other side is our neighbors and our friends, right? You, we're in the middle. We're in the middle. By definition, we're, when you're in the middle, you're not alone. And we got to remember that. We got to come together, continue to come together and do the common sense things. And, and I want to say this to you very clearly. We have some bad actors out there. 
There's some really bad actors, not just people that are trying to steal your life savings for some cure or something. Those are bad. Those those guys are bad guys, too. But we have bad actors. Pelosi's a bad actor. These men and women in Congress, bad actors. And we have to be vigilant that the government isn't taking from us what is ours, our liberty, our security, because we're afraid. And, and, and so understanding that we're neither at the beginning nor at the end, but we don't have to be desperate about that. You know, there was, there's a great writer, Ed Lattimore, and follow him at Ed Lattimore on Twitter. And he always writes African-American guys and recovering alcoholic, I think maybe drug addict too, a boxer, a writer, a really incredible guy and very inspirational in lots of ways. And he wrote something about, he was quoting the wire and he said that in the wire, one of the, you know, that old Baltimore, uh, um, you know, gang, uh, series, and one of the main characters said, um, you only serve the first day and the last day in a prison term, meaning that, you, you know, in between, in the middle, you just got to get used to what you're doing and you got to take care of what's happening. We're in the middle right now. We're Americans. We know how to do this. We know how to put our head down and we know how to slog. We know how to get it done. You know, we we know how to trust our government, but not give them too much trust. We know how to trust and verify, if you want to say that. We know how to be vigilant. So what you need to know is we're in the middle right now, and it feels uncertain aspects of it. But we know the grounding that we have. We have the grounding in our in our nation. Not our. This is not the state of America. People say the state of Israel. They deserve to have a state. Well, there's a nation of Israel too, and the United States, the na- the American nation. The nation part of us is our ethno-religious linkage together that's based on God, family, and our country in that order. And it's embodied in the Constitution and our founding documents. And as we're in the middle, we're never alone. We're never alone, and we just got to keep going. We got to be patient. We got to love one another. We got to figure it out, and we'll get through it. And these are exciting days, exciting days in lots of ways, and unbelievable, most amazing days. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, I got two great guests today. It'll change up the pace a little bit. Cecile Ahrens, who is uh, on the show, I mentioned, has a show here on The Answer San Diego every Saturday morning called Get Mental Radio. Um, she's a, a, a kind of a therapist and a, and a counselor, extraordinary presence. She'll be on to talk about, hey, what do you do with all this stuff going on? And then we'll talk with Nikki Schaefer, a great pro-life fighter, about how they're getting the young people in America to pay attention to the issue of life. Pretty cool story. We'll talk with her, too. So we will take a break right now. When we come back, we'll, be, we'll talk to Cecile Ahrens, and then and we'll also visit uh, with Nikki Schaefer after that. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed, Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be with you. Well, my colleague here on The Answer San Diego has her own show each uh, Saturday morning at 6 a.m. It's called Get Mental Radio. Cecile Aaron's, and she also, of course, maybe more than her show. If you catch her show, you're going to want to then go to her website, which is TranscendTherapyCA.com. That's TranscendTherapyCA.com. Uh, first of all, welcome back, Cecile. How are you? Thank you so much for having me, Ed. I'm good. Thank you. Keeping my spirits up. How about yourself? 
Doing fine, doing fine. That's kind of what I wanted to ask you, though. A, a lot of people, let, let's say it generously, and you're the professional, so you can c- just correct me when I'm wrong, but let's say it generously. Many people are at least uncertain about the future. That's probably the generous way. Some people are pretty darn scared about it. Some people are, you know, ignorant about it. But, I mean, there's at least a lot of uncertainty, and that doesn't breed, it seems to me, good mental health. So, what are you, you know, first of all, what do you see and sense about sort of, people right now i mean is is that you know sometimes uh, even the president wrote this the cure is harder than the illness right now not not many have the actual illness uh of of the coronavirus but a lot of us are are home and or are changing our life uh, dramatically it's a challenging time isn't it Definitely, it is. And, um, you know, even though people may not be talking about it openly, I know that in my private sessions for the people I serve and support, it's very real, it's very raw. It, there's a collective fear going on in the world right now. And it's okay. It's okay to be afraid. It's okay not to be okay. But it's what you do with it, Ed, is what we always say in therapy. You know, all feelings belong. The fear belongs. But how can we help you manage this moment or this crisis? So that's where therapy really comes in to be really helpful because there's a lot of tools to help people with. Is, um, and is the, I mean, it sounds again like I'm a novice, but I'm trying to pretend and play like a, like a professional. A lot of times mm-hmm. tension and crises make other things worse, right? So you may not have as bad a problem with alcohol or drugs, and then you get into a tense situation and you lean on it more. Or even PTSD, yeah. I'm not an expert on that, although I have friends and a brother who served in the military that, you know, went through some of that. I mean, a lot of things get yeah. that, str- when you get strained, you don't, you know, when you get strained, tired and worried your body isn't the only thing that's tired and worried it's your mind right yes it challenges our coping skills we know that crises creates or increases mental health symptoms especially for those who already had like pre-existing conditions per se but even if you're like a pretty healthy individual you know times like these can challenge your resources and your coping skills and support is really key right now and and um you know, exposing yourself to the right information, not, you know, limiting the amount of media you're consuming that it's all about the pandemic, because that's just going to keep reinforcing that fear and that anxiety that people are feeling. Is and let me let me say it again. We're we're talking with Cecile Aaron's and and her show on this station is a Get Mental Radio each morning six a.m. on the Answer San Diego and her website, uh, which is worth a visit. I'm, I'm looking at it right now and it's uh, transcendtherapyca.com. Lots of resources there, lots of descriptions, lots of ideas. Um, is Cecile is your you know uh, one thing about this that I, I find really hard. You know, I talk the politics and policy. Is people say yeah. when will it end? You know, when will it end? Like you know if you're in school, you're going to have a final exam. You know, if you're in, in June, my, my daughter's a sophomore, you're going to have a final exam on May 30th, whatever, you know, you're mm-hmm. going to know when things end, um, when you're, uh, you know, if you're having some kind of, um, uh, you know, events at work, you know, a timeline. This is a funny thing. That, that's a particularly yes. challenging thing, isn't it? Yes. So psychologically, you know, as human beings, this is one of the most difficult spaces or state of mind for us is not knowing 
You know, it really puts us into a fight or flight mode. But a mindfulness approach, and I'll talk about that more in a little bit, is really key. And what that means is, you know, taking it one day at a time. There's a reason that saying is around, because there's a wisdom to that. Taking it one day at a time, focusing on the things you can control, which is in, in this situation, your immunity, your exposure, your personal hygiene. Those are only the three things we can control, right? And, you know, what you're doing while you're at home. How are you taking care of yourself? There's still lots of healthy ways to take care of yourself. You know, there's nature therapy. Um, of course, observing social distancing rules, like going outside if you have a porch, breathing in the fresh air. If you have pets, playing with your pets. If you have kids, you know, having structure. Especially right now as a parent, I can relate to this. We are now working from home. Our kids are at home. And now we're having to play teacher as well at home. We're wearing so many hats and we were ill-prepared for it. So what I do at my house is we create a schedule. You know, and I talk about that with my son. Is this is what the day is going to look like tomorrow? And it doesn't have to be rigid, but it gives everybody a sense of structure and organize, organization to their day. Because that's what we need in times of chaos and uncertainty is still a sense of structure and stability. And you can find that in small ways. Uh, and C- Cecile, we're talking. We're talking with Cecile Aaron's, and the website is transcendtherapy. Uh, th- excuse me, transcendtherapyca. dot com. Um, I, I wanted to ask you this. I, I've seen this a lot, but it seems to me to be the 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 thing. Isn't it great to have a time period, whether it's two weeks or a month or six weeks, and you can. You can kind of set a goal within that. Like, I'm going to just run a mile a day or do a, mm-hmm. do X, you know, and come up with something and say, well, I, you know what I got in coronavirus college? I got, you know, really fluent at Spanish during the eight weeks I had to adjust my life. I mean, I mean that's, that's how it seems to me to be something that people could do that would make them feel better, although maybe not. I don't know. What do you think? Yes. So, you know, generally speaking, that's what we want. We want to look at the things we still have power and choice over. How do you want to use this time? Because there are still a lot of positives. You know, there's still a lot of love and beauty going around despite the pandemic. And there's, we always have choice, right? We always have choice in any given situation. If we're willing to be honest with ourselves and willing to, you know, be uncomfortable and change. So, yes, right. absolutely. There's actually a hashtag going around on so- social media ad called Corona Goals. So it's a ah. way to reframe this pandemic into, like, now it's time for you to think about all the things you've been putting off because you didn't have time to do it. Now what's your excuse going to be, right? Or what are some of the goals you set out for yourself during this shutdown? It's a blessing for some of us, really, if you can adopt that mindset. I'm enjoying more time with my son, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, how about a uh, last question on this? Um, it's a it's a um, what do you how do you talk to people that well, two groups of people, one group that says, I don't care what you tell me. The future is I'm young or not young and I just want to do what I want to do. Don't tell me to stay home. And the second group, which is growing in some intensity, oftentimes conservatives who are saying, hey, don't take away my rights. And, and you know, don't, don't I have a right to go to my church. I have a right to do my things. How do you right. caution people? You know, we, we don't want to let government be a bully, but we are somewhere between, yeah. um, you know, running into a burning building and being restrained from running into a burning building is where we are, you know? Yeah. So the answer really is the same for both groups. It's about, let's think about the collective good. What is in the best interest of 
most people, not just you and your group, right? And this is a serious, serious situation, guys, you know? Um, there's a reason governments are shutting down and there's a reason they're risking the economy, suffering, because our health is more important than anything else right now. So to the millennials, please take the, um, the advice seriously. And, you know, just to, to um, defend the millennials as well, it's a little bit developmentally kind of um, to be expected for them to be a little bit more kind of self-consumed and self-absorbed. That's right. kind of part of the developmental cycle. So I know it's hard not to take it personally, but there's some of that going on. Of this sense of think about when we were both younger, right? Like the sense of invincibility, you know. So part of it yeah. is that. Part of it is a lack of education, and honestly, I think part of it is a lack of enforcement. There isn't any consequence for them, so why should they not do it, right? There's kind of a a rebellious nature, you know. Um, yeah. that is to be expected with the younger generation. So I think, like, we may not be able to fully change their behavior, but we can change, we can influence their behavior through enforcement. And so well, and the, the conservatives, you know, just thinking about the good, you know, the good of, of the collective. Yeah. Well, and I think, um, well, I think listening to you and your show and going to your website and the kind of thing, people think need to, you know, we're early in this. We're what, a sixth or seventh day into the 15 day period, and it's probably going to be a lot longer in some ways, depending on where you are in your health and all. But it looks like a lot of schools are out for the year. You know, things have changed a lot. So people need to check in on the basics. And again, uh, you can uh, hear Cecile Aaron's program each Saturday morning, 6 a.m., Get Mental Radio, right here on The Answer San Diego. And you can also go to our website transcendtherapyca.com transcendtherapyca.com Cecile, thank you for the time. I will be in touch again, I feel certain, and I appreciate you very much. No problem. Ed, if I can just quickly uh, advise people too that there is online therapy available. Telehealth, that's what it's called. We are on the clock. We are so busy, you know, thankfully, but unfortunately as well, you know, because of these reasons. But if you need support, if you need help, big or small, please consider telehealth. It is confidential. It is just as effective. And most insurance companies cover it. So there is no it's whatever it would have costed you to see somebody in person. That's great. Thank you. And and uh, appreciate it very much. That's a great tip. I'm glad you caught that in. Great. We got to run. We'll take a quick break and be right Thank back. You. It's Ed Martin Thank here on the so Pro. Much. Be safe. Take, take care. We'll be right back. Ed Martin on the Pro America Report. Be back in a minute. Well, welcome back. Ed Martin here to Pro, excuse me, Pro America Report. Great to be with you. And feels like a good time these weeks together to uh, talk to some folks about the work they're doing and maybe not focus on all this politics. I, I, I re- recounted a story earlier in the program. My eight-year-old daughter came in and, and sat in front of the microphone and said with a funny voice, oh, we're going to talk politics and all that stuff, and it's not going to be that interesting. I'm Ed Martin. And then she walked away, and I said to my wife, I'm not sure that's what I think I do, but... Who knows? That's what the kids think. But anyway, so it brings me to the name of our uh, the ministry of our next guest is called Heart of a Child Ministries, and uh, it was started because the seven year old daughter uh, of the founder, who we'll talk to in a moment, Nikki Schaefer, uh, said that in a prayer. Her name was Grace, and the goal of the organization, the ministry, is to build a culture of love and life through dynamic celebration of life, through live ultrasound presentations, and through the sale of pro life prayer pillows. So. First, welcome Nikki Schaefer to the program. How are you? 
I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Well, it's great to have you on. And let me just say, heartofachildministries.org is the website I'll put up on social media. Tell us how, or I, I did a thumbnail, but tell us how this ministry started, Nikki. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I was a pro-life pregnancy counselor before I stayed home full time with my children. And so that issue has always been very, very important to our family. So we were at a Holy Hour for Life. We were at a prayer service on the anniversary of Roe v. Wade. And when we came out of the prayer service, my daughter, Grace, had a tear in her eye. And what was interesting was that nothing was really said about abortion at that prayer service. It's almost like she just had this understanding of what it was. Hmm. And I asked her what was wrong. And she said, Mommy, I just don't understand why anyone would do this to a precious child. She said, Mommy, those babies may be small, but they are people too. Hmm. And I got right down in front of her face, and I just said, you are exactly right. Right. There are always people and their gifts from God. And I know that this is so hard to understand, but I used to talk to those mommies, and most of them, they're not doing it to be mean. Many of them are just poor, and they're afraid that they might not have the money that they need to buy diapers and things like that. So we are called to help them. And then she got excited as this little seven-year-old, and she said, well, mommy, I want to help. She said, I want to make something, and I want to sell it, and I want to give the money back to those mommies so they don't have to do abortion. And I asked her what she wanted to do, and she very specifically described to me the pro-life prayer pillow and what it was going to look like. And so I absolutely knew because this happened in prayer through a seven-year-old child, right? Mm -hmm. Little kids understand truth better than we do. I knew this was from the Lord. And so we began designing these pillows. Leave it up to God. We had a seamstress at our house at the time teaching my girls how to sew because we homeschool. And so she taught our whole family how to sew. We put these pillows out. Right away we had a uh, professional seamstress come up to us and say, I feel like I'm supposed to help you guys. Since that happened in 2012, um, well over $40,000 has been donated through the sale of these pillows to help women and children. And then one time when we had a booth and we were selling these pillows, we were next to a woman who was very involved in a school district in Omaha, where I'm from. And she said to us, you know, this is such a great story. I think it would be a great way to educate my 7th and 8th graders about the pro-life issue, how to be involved in a positive way, and how to understand this issue of abortion from a kid-friendly point of view. Would you come to my class and talk? So sure enough, my daughters and I went to the class and talked, and then through there, this whole ultrasound ministry has developed. After that first presentation, when I went back to my hometown of St. Louis, I was invited by my pastor to go there, and I had a friend of mine, uh, who's the director of Nebraska United for Life, call me up and she said, I keep hearing in prayer, I'm supposed to send you down on our ultrasound RV. I don't know why, but I keep getting that. 
So we went down to St. Louis, and as we're driving down, the light bulb went on in my head. I'm doing a pro-life presentation. I've got an ultrasound machine. Let's see if we can get an ultrasound tech and show these kids a live baby. Sure enough, I was able to do that, and then these ultrasound presentations were born. Since then, I, God has just brought me an amazing team of professional women that bring forth these ultrasounds into schools. We have four age-appropriate presentations for grade school all the way up to college. We did our first college presentation. We've been into a public school. We go into Catholic schools, um, Christian schools. Um, we have people who have amazing pro-life testimonials that they share with those high school kids and beyond. A woman who worked in the abortion industry who was converted after seeing a second trimester ultrasound, she shares her story with those high school kids and college kids, and it affects hearts. We have women who have chosen adoption and who adopted children who share beautiful stories with middle school on up so that they can hear this beautiful option of adoption. And so our goal is to just show these kids that that is undeniably a life through these ultrasounds, that there are beautiful options out there for choosing life, like adoption, like receiving supports through the prayer life, prayer pillars, and through pregnancy resources, and that we are all meant to make a difference. So little we, time right now we're that we all can know it. Yeah, we're talking with Nikki Schaefer, an extraordinary story, and all from your daughter's start. Um, I, I almost don't know where to stop. I was trying to do what they tell me. The professionals tell me, don't interrupt. When someone's a good guest, don't interrupt. So I was trying not to. But I, want, I had so many different questions, and i got to go back. Um, but one thing I want to ask you is, uh, on the ultrasound... Um, I find it so compelling, more than me, you know, the late Phyllis Schlafly, for whom I work, she used to say that the the power of the ultrasound in influencing how people relate to this question, because you just, you see it in 3D now, especially. Is that your experience, that it, before um, it's a debate about, you know, life and choice and all, and then you're seeing something and hearing a heartbeat, and it's just sort of a game changer? Is that how it works with the kids? Absolutely, 100%. I can share with you, you know, a couple of stories of that. We had one high school kid at one of our first presentations come up to us, and he said, you know, I was pro-choice. It sounded good to me, but I had no idea that that was a full baby in there. That changes everything for me. We had another student whose mom was going to opt him out of the presentation because she was pro-abortion, but she decided to send him at the last minute, and he went, and he came up to us, and he it is so clear to me after seeing that ultrasound how wrong abortion is, and now I have to pray about how to present this to my mom. Hmm. So kids are going home with this information and bringing it back to their parents. Um, we have I have a testimony right in front of me from our my website from a seventh grader where she stated, seeing the live ultrasound made me want to cry. It is so undoubtedly amazing how something only 17 weeks old is circulating its own blood has working organs and continuously moves around. Hearing the baby's heartbeat is the most amazing thing. It shows that it is more than just a lump of tissues and cells. It is a baby and it is fully alive. Hmm. And that wow. says it all. This is what we are seeing. And what, I, what we're seeing with the younger kids, too, first grade, second grade, third grade, you know, for, we call it celebration of life. I get my guitar out. We sing songs about life. 
We give them fun fetal facts like we have them read, I am a child of God, and we have them focus on that period at the end of the sentence. And I start by saying, did you know that your heart started to beat when you were just the size of the period at the end of that sentence? And they're like, whoa, you know, it's amazing to them. So we just continue to give these fun, age-appropriate fetal facts, and then when they see that baby kicking and moving hands and feet and, and the heart beating, they just love it. They're excited. And they realized that their life was started in the same way, just miraculously, beautifully, and that every life has a purpose and a plan deemed by God. And we just really try to um, present that message to them, that every life is precious, every heartbeat is precious. And they see that, and they get excited, and it's just a joy to do it. I uh, just, I feel very blessed to do it. Yeah. <clears throat> to, to one, one quick question, and then you need to tell us some more news. But how old is Grace now, the daughter who started this all? How old is she now? She is 16, so it started in 2012 huh. when she came up with those prayer wow. cards. And then we we just started doing the presentations four years ago. So we're on our fourth Great. year of doing the ultrasound presentation. Wow. Okay. Well, uh, uh, Nikki um, Schaefer, we very much appreciate it. It's heart of a, heart of a child dot org. The website's very good, by the way. It's got so much there. I encourage people to get there, and you can get reach Nikki through that. Uh, I have to run, unfortunately, Nikki. We have uh, we just have a little bit of time. So thank you for being on. God bless you and your work, and we'll look forward to hearing any more. Keep us in the loop. Keep me on your email list, and I'll send you an email, and we uh, we will keep people informed about what you're doing. Appreciate you very much. Sounds great. Thanks so much. Thank you. God bless. We'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be right back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Thank you for being with us. And again, thank you to all the great guests we had. And remember, all of our programs, the Pro-America Report and also uh, my stuff and things, you can go to the answersandiego.com, get the show as a podcast. But you can also go to, over to edmartinlive.com. I've got all the shows uh, broken out as segments. I hope you'll do, we'll take a listen over there uh, and pass them on to other people. It's important to spread the word. We appreciate it very much. Um, so much, uh, so much worth uh, doing, and so much uh, good work happening. We want to spread it all over. So let me, um, let me now um, make sure to um, walk you through what is really an extraordinary, um, incredible thing uh, to to watch, and that is the media's reaction. Um, to Donald Trump's press conferences. Now, first of all, let me preface this by saying to you that my brother, uh, who is, uh, many of you hear me talk about him frequently, is a Marine, a retired Marine, who is a pretty smart guy, and uh, he is worth, he's always got something interesting to say. About 10 days ago, at the very beginning of this, before it must have, maybe let me think about this. It was probably Saturday a week ago, so nine days ago. He called, he texted me and said, "You need to tell this guy, meaning the president." That's what he like. He thinks he likes to think that I call up the president and tell him stuff. But he said you need to tell him that he needs to do fireside chats. And while I was on the phone with him, I'm looking on my phone, and, and I'm, I'm scouting through reading about it, and I didn't realize the fireside chats were often between 15, they were between 15 minutes and 25 or 28 minutes, sometimes a little bit longer. But they were the FDR of President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, his radio broadcasts, where he used to sit by the fireside, so they say, and give these talks. And he started them soon after he got into office. He didn't do it every week, but he did it enough over the next few years that 
that they became the what people understood was happening and they reassured the public uh, as to what was happening. And here's the interesting thing to think about, because um, the way the technology was at the time, if you when you did when he when he did a fireside chat. And he did the very first one. I'm trying to pull that up on March 12th, 1933. And he did them for the next 11 years. And he had um, he had uh, a whole list of there it is. The Chronicle is. Yeah. Uh, March 12th. The first one was 13 minutes. And then many of them were sometimes 30 minutes. Uh, and the last one was on the on the June 12th, 1944. So he did 30 of them. He didn't do that many, but here's what happened. When he gave that speech on, uh, I give the fireside chat on March 12th, 1933, on the banking crisis, he framed the report and the arguments as it went forward um, for the next month or two, because what happened was it was transcribed and then it was broadcast again, but it was mostly written about in newspapers and magazines and monthly magazines. So it was in weekly magazines, monthly magazines. In other words, he dominated the airwaves, um, by, he dominated the, the, um, um, what people were hearing and understanding by creating content at the very beginning, at the point where it would then echo out from him into all these other places. So if you see my point, what's interesting about it is in that era, but doing a fireside chat, he and, and the first one I just mentioned to you was March 12th. The second one was May 7th. The third one was June 24th. So he tended to do them a couple months apart. He did a couple different times take a longer break. He only did one in 1935 at all. He only did th- three in 1934. But he, he was able to, in 1937, he did four. So you can dominate the conversation. He dominated the conversation by sort of framing what the topics were. Well, that's what Trump is doing with these press conferences. He comes to the press conferences with enough uh, of the experts and enough of the people who understand what's happening, and then he dominates. And he's doing it almost every day, and therefore he dominates all the coverage. He drives all the coverage. He drives all the messaging. He drives all of the attention. And the only thing I would say is it looks exhausting. It looks exhausting. And here's how you know they're working. The New York Times and others are screaming bloody murder. Because standing in the White House press room is President Trump, Vice President Mike Pence, Dr. Burks, distinguished woman doctor, Dr. Fauci, older Italian-American doctor. Then there's um, the the customs guy is, uh, I think, Hispanic-American. The Surgeon General is African-American. The HHS director, director is Lebanese-American. This hodgepodge is women, men, all across. He's got the best of the best, and he's leading them. And the media hates it. New York Times had a full-length trashing of his news conferences on the New York Times uh, magazine uh, Sunday Review page this weekend because they can't stand it. Not because... They don't li- that they think it's ineffective. No, no, it's because they know it is effective, and it's not only effective at helping us get through this. It's effective at showing who the leader is. Con- contrast with in the last ten days, according to one of the uh, Bernie Bros, uh, Joe Biden has been out in public for eight minutes. In a context other than, you know, being uh, sort of locked up and buttoned down. And earlier today, Joe Biden did a press conference from his study and, and not a press conference. He did a, a, a sp- short speech from his study in Delaware. And he looked like a, a well, he didn't look like a hostage. It wasn't a great video. But he looked like a doddering old man. And he just didn't look authoritative. And also, when will these people learn if you're going to be president, wear a tie 
don't, nobody thinks it looks cool to not wear a tie, that somehow you're making yourself look right. He, he, looked, he looked odd. He, he just looked off. But he did an eight or ten minute speech on a video, and that's it. Meanwhile, Trump is dominating, and has to, by the way, let me be clear. He has to dominate. He needs to dominate because um, the... Um, because uh, the uh, reality is that he needs to get us under control. He needs to get us, uh, uh, you know, under control that um, uh, uh, and, and make it so that we understand what's happening in real time. And again, back to my FDR fireside chat analogy, by doing it in, on TV live with questions and answers, he, he dominates the content for as long as he, until he comes back again. Because what happens is they take apart every little piece of it. They break it down into little pieces and little bits and others. And until he comes back again, that's all they're going to talk about. So again, it's very effective. In real time, he's seeing what's happening. He's getting responses. And then he watches on social media. And again, last I mentioned earlier in the program, last night at midnight, President Trump tweeted, Midnight. Something like, you know, we can't let the cure be worse than the, the illness. In all caps. Because why? Because he had been reading Twitter and seeing how upset many of us are getting that the economy's cratering and everything's cratering and we can't fix it. And we're worried that we may be taking down the economy instead of getting sick when maybe and we're still getting sick. So people are saying maybe we should have just gotten sick and learned how to deal with it. And he's trying to coach us through it. But in real time. He's responding to the will of the people, or at least to the to the um, expressions of the people. I'm not sure the will of the people is the right word, but that's the difference at today in today's um, focus, today's world, than it was so long ago. So there you have it. It's a big thing to watch, and, and that's why they're complaining. And if you haven't watched those press conferences, they really are special to watch. They, they, right now, for me, they're a little bit long. He's going an hour and a half. should be going 50 minutes. Somebody needs to tell him to keep it a little shorter, but they are really good. All right, we will take a uh, wrap up i want to say thank you to Noah, our technical director joanna our producer thank you for listening don't forget get the show as a podcast over at the answer san diego.com and we'll be back uh, tomorrow night it's ed martin right here on the pro market report we'll talk to you then